welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. So one of the things that we believe here is the reason why Epiphany Fellowship has existed and still exists is one simple fact is because God caused us to live. And if you're here under the sound of my voice and you're watching under the sound of my voice, if you know Christ the Savior, um, you have had life blown back into your body. And if many of us would be honest with where we have been and where we are, many of us have been in the valley of dry bones. And if it had not been for God going into the valleys where we existed, because God doesn't want you to exist, He wants you to live. And so welcome to our 14th year anniversary. We are excited about everything, just so many things. It's it's funny, as I I look around this room and I I come in here and y'all got fancy things all put up, you know, and lights, cameras, and actions. And this is, I I praise God for the team. Y'all have done an enormous job. Matter of fact, give give God a hand praise for for the team. Music, everything, right? Man, when we started in the basement downstairs, we, we had a projector sitting on a table and somebody in front of a computer just on a table. Now we got booths and rooms and all different types of things. And so, uh, like the Jeffersons, we moved up, but we don't forget where we came from. And we don't forget that this work that God started, God did, God initiated, God worked out. Uh, things happen uh, out of nothing because God causes it to happen. If God in any of our lives wants something to be, he can speak and it'll come right into existence. And so don't you ever get discouraged of that reality. Well, today I want to take some time as we have, we're going to be celebrating our 14th anniversary to begin to talk about where we've been, where we are and where we're going. Some of it will be new, some of it will be a reminder, and hopefully something will be inspirational. Um, When we talk about what God has called us to do and where we are, anniversaries aren't just here just to say we have been here. You have to reflect on what God has been doing. One of the things that the psalmist would say is when I think about the testimonies of God, God's testimonies is God's divine activity that are set ups in your life for you to remember what he did so that you can be faithful and trust him for what he's going to do. Somebody ought to hear me right there. And, and everybody, that's why you need to journal and that's why you need points of pause. Somebody say pause. Everybody needs points of pause in their lives to pause and to think about what has God actually been up to in our life? Because in a time like a pandemic, like we're in, um, you know, people talking about, I can't wait till we get back to normal. We'll never be normal again, family. Uh, um, you might as well begin getting ready for other normals. But one of the things that times like this can be when you forget, because it seems like it's been years since we've just walked around with no mask on. It, it just seems like a while, and things like that, can, and tragedy happening in your life, and different depressions that's on people can cause you to just forget that God's been good. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do during this time is take time for personal testimony time. Anniversaries are time to say, what has God been up to in my life? And so for us to be able 
uh, to testify a little bit and talk through some of that. Turn with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses, verses 15 through 19. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 through 19. The book of Nehemiah. It says here, it says, The wall was completed. In 52 days. On the 25th day of the month of Elul, when all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence, for they realized that this task had been accomplished by our God. During those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them, and many, uh, many in Judah were bound by oath to him since he was a son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Arach, and his son, Johanan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. These nobles kept mentioning Tobiah's good deeds to me, and they reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. Our time uh, together, um, as we walk through this text, I want to talk about celebrating building lives from the inside out. Celebrating building lives from the inside out. Let's, Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we honor you and thank you for your mission. We honor you for your work. We honor you that you have been with us. And God, we pray that, Lord God, as we continue to move forward because of your work in us, God, we're praying that your reign would shine, your glory would shine in North Philly and beyond, Lord God, as we seek to see how and when and where and what you're gonna do in, if you don't come back, because Jesus, we know God, can come back at any moment, and we welcome your return, Jesus. Yet until then, we wanna be faithful servants of yours in every area of our lives. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in our sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Celebrating rebuilding lives from the inside out. We have had quite a journey as a church over the years where we have seen God do some miraculous things. Um, No matter what, how far we go and no matter what God accomplishes, I'm always absolutely unadulteratedly bewildered by how God has done so much through the work that God has blessed us to do as a church. I mean, if you would have told me years and years and years ago, we would even be talking about some of the projects practically. I mean, it's one thing to put something on paper. You know, I I remember the old preacher used to tell you, write the vision down and make it plain based on the scripture. And when, and when you do that, you, you, you know, you know, people, they, they tell you dream as if God has given you a blank check. Dream as, as if God has given you a blank check. And as you begin 
to dream as if God has given you a blank check. You have to be careful, family of God, of dreaming based on what you're able to do. Because God is not interested in joining you in what you can do. God is not interested in that. No, God is interested in people whose hearts are, are, are wholly his. And not only that are fully his, but are willing to make sacrifices. Oh, that cuss word right there. That are willing to make sacrifices. Listen, sacrifices to see God's salvific work happen and work in the earth. And so you know you're called to do something if you get butterflies and scared as if you're on top of a mountain looking down. If you're called to do it and you're like, I think I can do that, that's the devil. Because if you got confidence that you can do it without God, you're not called to do it because everything God calls us to do, we can't do. And usually people that are called by God, listen, groups that are called by God, I'm not talking about me, talking about all of us. Well, when you have a calling on your life, you should get butterflies about what you're, not butterflies of, oh, oh, oh man, this is about to be lit. You, you should get butterflies of, I wonder how this is going to happen. And that, that's when you know that you're called. And I can remember sitting in uh, my little downstairs living room, and us starting the Bible study and talking, uh, talking crazy. Like, you have to understand, to cast a vision, you're talking crazy. You understand? Now, now, now I, I'm in there talking about, I'm in there talking about buying facilities for ministry. I'm talking about seeing people that are far off brought near. Absolutely people who are turned off by the gospel and by truth. Seeing them go from spiritual death to spiritual life. We're talking about we're talking about everything from planting churches in different inner cities around the country and the world. We're talking about coming to full support as an inner city church. We're talking about building out all of these systems and institutions. We're talking about starting a basketball league. We talked about all of these different things. And 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 what's interesting is at that moment, sitting in my living room with a a, a PowerPoint slide on a wall on my wall. We didn't have a we didn't have see, all of this. This is nice stuff. All I had was the, 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 the used-to-be-lead paint that was taken off and new paint put on, on the wall. See, when God calls us as the church to do something, he wants you to, he wants you to think gloriously stupid. And so in this passage, as we look at a passage that I believe is a reflection of insurmountable odds and seeing God do things from the inside out, we come to the book of Nehemiah, and in the book of Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem were broken down because of Israel's sin. And in light of Israel's sin and issues um, of those things being broken down and torn down, uh, they had been taken off to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, and then Nebuchadnezzar had been, in, well, uh, Babylon, that is, was now taken on the Persia, and they were released. There were three waves that were released. There was the Zerubbabel wave, there was the Ezekiel wave, and there was the Nehemiah wave. There were several waves of people who were led out of 
the land of Persia back into the land of promise after the decades that they were in the land of captivity. Jeremiah, I mean, Nehemiah in chapter one hears from uh, some folks that were in Jerusalem uh, uh, that, that, that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and he began to weep and he began to get broken. But the first thing he did in his brokenness, in, in, his, in his weeping, and guess what? In the midst of the pandemic, for the walls to be broken down, there was a pandemic. He prayed. He prayed. The first thing he did wasn't develop a plan and draft a team and get out a presentation and begin working on stuff. He knew that if anything was going to change, he had to get on his knees and pray. And as he began to pray and as he began to Work or deal with his own personal sin because let me tell you something anybody that God uses isn't just helping people out with their sin, they got to deal, ask God to deal with their own sin. I don't care how cute, how fly, and how strong, and how called you are, you are a mess in process. And in being a mess in process, don't ever act like everybody else need help from you because the worst people to serve anybody is somebody that God ain't dealt with themselves. Because you can't help nobody until you had to pray and confess and repent of your stuff. And when you pray and confess and get God to deal with your stuff, listen, in God dealing with you, he gives you the practical mechanism to help other people. But many people like to help other people and not be helped by God. And so Nehemiah dealt with his own sin and he went through, inspected the walls and they've gone through so much and built the walls and Everything got done. And so now it's time for completion. And at this point of completion, we see what happens in this passage here, which brings me to one and only point. If we are going to celebrate rebuilding lives from the inside out, number one and only point, we have to know this. Completing kingdom work happens despite rash contentions. Completing kingdom work (laughs) Always happens despite rash contentions. I like this. It says, the wall was completed in 52 days on the 25th day of the month of Elul. Now, let me just tell y'all something. This was supernatural finishing. In order for the wall to be finished, In 52 days, God had to move in a supernatural and powerful way in the lives of the people. In other words, supernatural didn't mean that God had angels come from heaven and build the wall for them. (laughs) It didn't mean that God spoke a word and the wall just formed. (laughs) In other words, the supernatural activity wasn't in some supernatural work of God just doing it without man's hand to the plow. In order for the work to be completed, there had to be a supernatural work in the hearts of the people who were a part of the work in order to bring the work to pass. (laughs) So everything that God has called us to do has to do that. Now, what in the world does a wall being broken down? Because I know that many of us can't really relate to that. What, what, what does it mean for a wall to be broken down? Well, a wall in their area, in their era was for protection. It, it, it was for solidifying that there was a space and that there was an actual city and there was economy and there was geography and all of those. And there was ownership of different things, entrepreneurial ventures, trading opportunities, uh, 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 and letting people in who you want in and keeping out people who you don't want in. <clears throat> but when the wall got broken down, they experienced disgrace. 
not only disgrace, but broken dignity. <laughs> not only broken dignity, but also vulnerability. When we look at our city, <laughs> in many cities like this, there are some of the same issues present here and in many of our cities. What walls are breaking down, broken down in Philadelphia that still need engaging? We have blight in our city. <laughs> we have brokenness in our city. We have dignity annihilation in our city. <laughs> we have a male vacuum in our city. But one of the least talk about broken down breaches in our city is an interesting breach. It's this. One of the greatest walls in our city and community that is broken down has been the presence of the church in the city. The presence of the church in the city was supposed to be and is supposed to be the walls of every city. The church is supposed to be the conscience of the city. It is supposed to be the one that speaks when no one else speaks. It's, it, it, it speaks to issues in cities that no one else wants to speak to. It speaks prophetically to things that most people are quiet about. It's willing to lose its place of, of, of significance even if it means, even if it means speaking prophetically, we can't be afraid, listen, of dealing with issues so that we can keep our place and space and not see God's presence and peace in our cities. And so the church has to do that. And many times when you speak up and when you put people on blast, you're going to always get foolishness in the midst. Because verse 16 says, when our enemies heard of this, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, you know, everybody is not blessed by your come up. Help me today. You know, everybody ain't trying to, you know, pat you on the back. Because it's all the surrounding nations. It's interesting. It says we're intimidated and lost their confidence. This idea of intimidation is an interesting word. It means they greatly fail. They were small or cast down in their own eyes. What does that point to in our society? Insecurity. Insecurity many times comes from, you know you're insecure when someone else is successful at something and you view yourself as a failure because you're viewing yourself off of what they did, not God's expectations of you. In other words, whenever you take a self-evaluation because God is doing something in someone else's life and you can't celebrate what God is doing in their life, you automatically become what uh, I know folk call is a hater. And so, and so they got their intimidation wasn't the fault of God's hand being on the Israelites. Their intimidation came from their own frustrations because they viewed the success, listen, of the Israelites building the walls and building the temple uh, 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 and getting things set up again as a slight against them. <laughs> and us as the church in the city, we can't be people in churches who get intimidated by other ministries that may, may want to take off. We're supposed to be a family in the city. We're supposed to be a community in the city, locking arms and developing relationships. One of the things in this season that we've been doing heavy is we've been building relationships with people in our community, particularly uh, ground floor, frontline people. And in doing that, we want to build that as a foundation 
for us as a church as we begin to move forward. <laughs> and as we begin to move forward, one of the things that we want to do as we move forward is to restore cracks that are in our community. Let's go over to some of those cracks. You can pull that up now. Those cracks that we want to begin to challenge in, in our vision, on the vision side of things. One of the first things that we want to do, and I'm just restating what our vision has been practically. You know what our mission statement is. is showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life. Put it on the vision slide for me. Showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life through commitment, community, convergence, culturally relevant ministry, and Christ-centeredness. So what do we want to see as a church? You know, our shouting is good, y'all. Our running is good, but that doesn't impress our city. Ain't nobody, ain't, it's okay. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, our gatherings are good, but that doesn't impress our city. Let me say it again. Our, our, our Bible studies are good, but that doesn't impress our city. Now, now, now the question isn't, are we trying to impress our city? That, that, that's not the issue. We're not on the side of trying to impress the city. What we are trying to do is honor God through engaging and developing common ground with lost people to see people go from spiritual death to spiritual life and also to see the whole gospel preached to the whole person to make whole people. Let me say that again. To preach the whole gospel to the whole person to Develop and see the creation of whole people. So guess what we got to do? We got to do manhood development. One of the changes that we've seen is more black fathers getting in the lives of their children. In the hood. A lot of people, they're not talking about that. They like it when, when we got stats like it's 90% single parent homes. But now that black men, I've seen more black men engaging their kids in the last two years than I've seen in the last 14, 15 years. A lot of men have taken the plunge from hood dudes to, 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 to wealthy dudes are, are, are engaging. That's a big thing in their life. But in being there, the church has to be there to teach them how to be there. Help me today. Now, in, other words, in other words, we, we want to see an exponential male presence and the need for men in local church. To, we need soldiers. Not only that, we need men that are biblically literate. See, these are the cracks that we need to develop because illiteracy and biblical illiteracy impacts our ability to be able to do things from God's perspective. But we also want men with some life skills. It's not just enough to be there and play games with your kids. What are you preparing them for? So, so, so in, in, in clearing up our breaches and rebuilding our breaches, <clears throat> what we have to do is we, we got to begin saying, this is how you're there. That's what we say, Titus 3, 14, uh, let our people learn to meet pressing needs in order that they may be found unfruitful. What is that? Filling in the cracks and the crevices in the walls and rebuilding the walls of dignity, significance, and identity in our community and particularly in the life of our men. <clears throat> because when you build... Those things in the life of men, women don't have to do all the work. Uh oh, see, see, many, 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 many times, women are doing all the work instead of the church doing the work of male engagement. <laughs> so, and so she's trying to reel this one in and bring this one in, and 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 one of the things that I want to see because as I've done and started meeting with community stakeholders, one of the things I'm concerned about is I see no men as the community stakeholders 
in doing the work of those particular things in the community, and we have to start valuing frontline things and training people to value frontline things because when you have men as well as women, we're not trying to push the women out, but there has to be men valuing those frontline items in order that transformation can take place because we can't complain about where the women are and what the women are doing. Men, you got to step up. But it starts in the church. That means that Bible study, it shouldn't be 90% women. I know I'm preaching. You ain't got to say amen. That means when it's time to serve, it shouldn't be 90% women and the same dudes. You know, when it's time to play video games, Cass is ready to go. You understand what I'm saying? But when it's time... To, to say the harvest is plentiful, the labors of few. Let us beseech the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers into the harvest. That's what we mean by we need soldiers in the church. We need soldiers in the church. We need missiological growth in our city. We need to break the fear of sharing our faith. We need to break down that wall. Bible says, Paul says, I, I pray that you would give me power, Ephesians uh, 6, 19. Pray for me as I share the word of God, that I would share it with boldness. Stop being ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. Not only that, we got to bring people to experience our gatherings where we are. That is important. One of the things you got to be with in Philly, <clears throat> and I was talking to lead our evangelism team about this, you got to be patient with people's conversion. See, most of us think you're just going to go out on the block <clears throat> And you're going, you're going to get the four spiritual laws and all of a sudden, you know, they're just going, you're going to be slain in the spirit and come to Jesus. <clears throat> Some people you got to talk to for a year. Evangelism and wall building is work. And so that means that they, if they ask you a question, where did the Bible come from? You need to figure out how to talk to them about it. Don't bring them to me. Ask me for a resource so that you can go back and tell them. Walls are not built by pastors. Pastors equip wall builders. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's my role, is to equip the wall builder so you can actually do it. I'm a resource, not the source. <laughs> and so remember, when the wall was being built here, <coughs> it wasn't Nehemiah by himself on the wall with a few special people. It was everybody in the city where they lived and dwell, built the part of the wall that was in their part of the city. That is so rich. And, and, and listen, listen, don't get it twisted. The, 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 we can get kingdom gangster a little bit. How do we know? Because they had a tool to fix the wall on one hand, and for people that wanted to, wanted to get crazy, he had the sword ministry on the other hand. So just in case I'm here and you want some smoke, because you can get the Christian smoke, the Bible says. It's over there. You understand what I'm saying? The Christian smoke. You understand what I'm saying? He says, fight for your families, right? Nehemiah 414, you know, write that down. But then we got to mobilize the congregation in the church and in the city. That means some of y'all got to learn how to have a sacrificial life. Most of our vision is only for our thing, not God's thing. What do you want to be with you when you grow up? What do you want to do with your life? What do you, is we such a mesa? Listen, now it's time for you to go with, what does it look like for me to join God in what he's doing in the world? 
That's what it means to lose your life to gain it. That means when you make sacrificial decisions, you say this, and this is good right here. What has God given me in my hand that's a gift and a talent that I need to be doing, but how do I do my gift and talent without leaving a kingdom philosophy? In other words, how do I merge both? God's given me this because most of us think entrepreneurially about our own personal come up. Divorced from what that means for the kingdom. And when I'm saying the kingdom, I'm not talking about lacing a pastor's pockets. I'm talking about the kingdom. Listen, the kingdom experiencing all of that juice that you got, not just through the church, but being sent from the church. Because we need people for the church, but we need to be commissioning people from the church to be in the world, to engage it with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ by you doing your art well. See, you know you can rebuild walls with art, don't you? You can rebuild about painting kingdom pictures, whether you use redemptive images or you're explicitly gospel. The kingdom should follow you. The kingdom aromatics. The sippage of the kingdom should follow you wherever you go. If somebody sips your life, they should get Jesus' notes of grace. They should get notes of mercy. They should should get notes of peace. In other words, the question is, wherever you go and wherever you're sent to rebuild through and with the church, what notes of God are you expressing in the world? So we got to mobilize people to make sacrifices, not just think about yourself. Somebody say, don't think about yourself. (coughs) Oh, y'all, that was trifling. That was absolutely trifling. Let me say that one more time. Don't just think about yourself. Y'all get it together in the living room, too, or wherever y'all at. So what has been our vision of things that we've seen God do? Go to the ministry investment, city investment slide. One of the things that we've seen God do, so we want to do it through Blitz's Connection City Investment, first city investment. We've got to this phase of our ministry. We've, gotten to, we've done the basketball league beautifully. Seen God work on that. We're going to continue to expand that in our next space even larger and more kids and engaging that reality. Not only city investment, ministry investment there, but also with the new facility. Y'all know what facility we're talking about. We're in process of still working on that. We have to build relationships with community members in order to earn the right for them to affirm that we should get the building. Let me tell you, there are two other bids on that facility, but we're still, but, 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 but they're looking for people. They've kept developers away because they don't want developers there. What they want is people who are going to come in and not treat them like stepchildren. I met with one le- uh, several leaders. They said, they said, Pastor, one mistake that you can make is come in here thinking we need you. I was like, oh, okay. Now she said, we do need help, but we'll die before we let somebody punk us. She said, we'll keep things like it is. And, and you know, and, and I had to respect that. She said, she said, we want people to come in and partner with us and talk with us, not just coming in telling us what we know. We, we know we messed up. She said, we know we messed up and we know we need help, but we want to be helped in a way that, res- that restores. She didn't say these words, but this is what she was trying to say. We want to be helped in a way that restores our dignity and that affirms our dignity. Isn't that beautiful? 
When you help somebody and it affirms the dignity that exists, we're not coming in taking pictures of kids on the street, using it as a mechanism to raise money while at the same time shaming their existence. <laughs> That's not how you rebuild walls. You rebuild walls by showing God's grace and the participants' dignity. Not only that, we want to see Epiphany Christian Academy. And we don't know what that's going to look like now. We may have a, a massive online academy with a brick-and-mortar academy. See, God, you don't know what God's going to do. We may have the most technologically advanced online school that comes alongside of families who are unable to homeschool their kids in the way that they're supposed to. Because right now, really, you don't have to work. I, I, I'm going to just say this for free as a parent. Let me just say this. I, I don't know. Man, my parents, they have to do the work that I do to help my kids in school. I don't know what the, I'm like, the work they get, I don't even, I'm like, once you get past third grade, I'm just, hi, I'm just hiring somebody. Okay, I just, this ain't got nothing to do with the, I'm just saying, like, the math just, and for, I would have, the level of homework they get, I, I'll be like, man, what in the world is going on? My kid up until 12 midnight. I'm like this, I ain't do that until I was in seminary. I'm like, my goodness, but <laughs> what we want to do is I've been hearing, I've been asking, and I've been hearing about single moms struggling, trying to work, who don't work at home, but are trying to figure out how to homeschool, how to do this thing. We got to figure out ways in the midst of this, because even when things open back up, some of the online stuff isn't going to change. And so what is our mission going to look like in helping with education in the gaps of those who need help with that, who can't. Some of us don't realize we got black privilege. Some of us, we, 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 we got it where one spouse can just be home and just be there. That's not normal in our community without massive amounts of sacrifice. And so how do we come alongside of people who we don't keep in their mind? Their dignity, they want to help. They want their kids to grow up in a good environment just like us. We need to repaint those walls. We need to work on those walls. We need grocery store, of course. Again and again, I applaud the legacy of Bethel Deliverance, of what they did to develop the plaza on Lehigh, and they, and they got the grocery store going. Zion did the same thing. But we need more and more and more and more in our city. Not only that, we want to see city investment in business shared space. We want to spark business. I was talking with, with one of my mentors, and as I was talking to him, he was saying, Eric, if you're going to rebuild the community, you have to make people want to go there when they aren't doing anything. I said, what? He said, he said, he said, Eric, he said, in rebuilding the community, you can't just develop jobs and housing. You have to develop leisure. And you have to develop business that attracts people there that makes people want to live there. He says, think about it. The most expensive places in your city to live is the places you can walk and enjoy. I said, wow. He said, so as you guys think about community development and rebuilding the walls of a city and doing what's in the book of Nehemiah, you have to, you have, to have sneaker shops in that community. Resale shops. You, you got you to have clothing boutiques. And everything can't be soul food. Let me just say this. Black people do eat more than soul food. Can somebody say amen loud? We, we, we like smoothies too. We like some green herb stuff to come up out the ground too. That's not weed. 
I had, to, I had to justify that. Somebody said, oh, Pastor, well, it's, it's good in the Bible. He's giving us everything you only see. We good? No, we not good. No, I'm talking about salad, dog. Kale, arugula. That's what we talking about. We like to eat grass-fed steak. Come on, somebody. We like to have some organic, free-range chicken and eggs and stuff. We need that in our community. And we want to we wanna fit. I don't know what that looks like. This is us talking crazy again. This is us talking madness again. This, 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 when you, when you walk around our community, you don't even see how it can be done. But I know somebody, the Bible says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, there it is, Prince, of peace. If I said it in Hebrew, I say Yasha Shalom, Prince of Peace. In other words, what is peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the ability to thrive while conflict is still going on. How many times in your life have you ever had hell breaking loose, but somehow, in some way, your soul was settled? And somehow, in some way, you didn't lose your mind? And somehow, in some way, you was alright? Somehow, in some way, you went from one season to another season to another season it was nobody but the Lord. The Prince of Peace did it. How many of you can acknowledge in your life that the Prince of Peace has re- the peace means to restitch order back to the way it's supposed to be. How much has God restitched back together in your life? And that's what we want to do in our community. Salvation is a sign in the soul of what he can do in the world. Let me say that again. Salvation is a sign in the soul that God can do in the soul what he does in the world. And so what we want to do is we want to see God develop whole people. That's the reason why we came here, y'all. We didn't come here to build 50 car garages and hire people in and out of community and have 55 praise teams and just sing songs and leave. We value praise and worship. We value gathering together. We value Bible study. We, ga- we value media. But those are tools. Those are tools. Those are tools from every person that holds a camera. You're a tool. For every person that presses a key, you're a tool. For every person that holds a microphone, you're a tool. For every person that holds a broom or a Lysol wipe, <laughs> you're a tool. And we're a tool. We want to get in the city because we want to see God change how people look at the church. If I can die and people can believe again that God is with the church and trust our voice to speak into their life so that God can change their life, I've done my job. That's all I want to see. It says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask a thing, according to the power that is at work with him. He said, let him be glory in the church. We want to see God reframe his glory. 
in the church so that people see us as tabernacles of peace and of grace. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity for us to know why are we here? Why are we here? <laughs> I heard a, one of the Philly rappers, Lord, say, we go where nobody goes. And God, what he meant was, we go to the places where people refuse to come out of fear. But Lord God, you've caused us not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith. And we see so much beautiful potential in what you're able to do because of who you are. Lord God, change and transform us, change and transform our community, and help us to show you off in every area of life. Maybe you're here today and you have never met Jesus Christ as Savior. Maybe you have never placed your confidence in Jesus and said yes to him. One of the greatest decisions that you can make is to recognize your desperate need of him. God wants to restore the walls in your life. And there's no wall that can be restored until you are restored. And he doesn't just take pieces of you and merge with his. He totally takes the old you out and puts a new you in. And that's done through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ crushes the beef between God and man and restores us to him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, we say, place your confidence in his death on the cross, which was payment for the disconnect that's between us and God. And he restores that connection by dying on the cross, getting up from the grave with all power in his hand. If you're here and that's you, you say, yes, I want to trust Christ. I want to pray for you. Father, touch that person and just place their confidence in Jesus Christ and said, I want Jesus and the pardon of my sin. And I trust him based on his death and his resurrection. Look, I'll be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you trust in Christ, put a note in the chat. One of our folks will catch up with you. Before those who are um, believers, now is that time that we celebrate the mighty equalizer. One of the things that communion helps us to recognize is no one is better than anyone. <laughs> communion is the sign of the new covenant that everyone who is in covenant with God gets in covenant with him the same way. Knowing their loss and in desperate need of God. I don't care what side of the railroad track you're born on, what color you are, what type of family you were born into. All of us need them. That's why on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body. This is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal and the bitter herbs, he ate the Paschal lamb and he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant which was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us drink together. Thank you all for being with us today. We're glad that you celebrated 14 years with us. 
And we're praying that God, if he doesn't come back, will give us many, many more. Receive the Lord's benediction. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, be majesty, be dominion and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Grace and peace. Take care. Love you. Happy anniversary, Epiphany. Take care. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.